Welcome to Musical Movements, the podcast where we talk about musicals and how they're a platform for important movements in society. My name is Georgia Delkey. My name is Katie Borford. And we are your co-hosts. So, Katie, I would love to hear what your week was like via a musical number. Well, this week I had a lot to deal with personally. So, with my family and my car broke down and, you know, the province going back into Code Red. So that means going back into quarantine. And on top of that, dealing with online classes has been a struggle. And I've been getting low grades lately and it's hard to keep motivated and keep going. So and I've thought about dropping out many times. And this week I really reminded myself of how much I love the creative communications program and how hard I've worked to get here. And I ha- just have to work a little harder because I know that it'll be worth it in the end. So my song this week is My Shot from Hamilton, duh. First of all, best song. That's a good one. Overall, the song relates to how I feel right now, but the best lyric that I can relate to right now is, I know the action in the street is exciting, but Jesus, between all the bleeding and fighting, I've been reading and writing. I know the action in the street is exciting, but Jesus, between all the bleeding and fighting, I've been reading and writing. We need to handle our financial situation. Are we a nation of states? What's the state of our nation? A past patiently waiting. And I think that compares to what it feels like to like go through school while dealing with like a pandemic. Yes, I, that's a good one. I love that lyric. So how would you sum up your week with the song? I would say for similar reasons, maybe a different song with online school happening and everything's kind of in lockdown, I guess, too, makes a difference. I'm always in my house and, and all my work is just, you know, a few steps away at my desk. Um, I have issues taking breaks and, you know, taking some downtime and putting some time into my hobbies. So I would say take a break is probably my song for the week. Also, arguably, in my opinion, one of the more underrated songs of Hamilton would be Take a Break, a fantastic duet. One of my personal favorites is Singing in the Car. I just think that I need to kind of listen to my own recommendation there this week and take a break every once in a while. Maybe I'll take a break after we record this. That's a really good one. I like that. It's funny how a musical about the founding fathers can relate to how you feel in school. Honestly, Crecom is probably just as hard as Founding America was. I can almost guarantee it. I mean, the Founding Fathers can't vouch for themselves here, so we're just going to say that CRECOM is much harder than founding a country. Based on this podcast, I'm going to say that it is. <laughs> Based on this podcast by two CRECOM students. <laughs> uh, so this week we're going to be talking about Hamilton, an American musical. I think that's the full title, is Hamilton, an American musical. It was written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, it's one of those, whatever you want to call it, Triple Crown, Holy Trinity musicals, so he wrote... Uh, the music, the lyrics, and the book, which is incredible. All that stuff came from one mind. Obviously, he had help. Uh, some of his collaborators are Tommy Kale, choreographers Andy Blank and Bueller, and the music director. Do you remember what his name is, Katie? Um, Alex Lackamore. Alex Lackamore. That's the one. There he is. So those guys kind of is where Hamilton all started. Lin-Manuel based this musical off a book about Alexander Hamilton, a biography by uh, Ron Chernow. Picked this book up on vacation, read it, and thought this is the perfect setting for a rap musical. There's no one better to write a rap musical about than Alexander Hamilton, which, I don't know. That's my favorite story ever. It's a good story. And the White House, too. Like, he went to the some poetry slam at the White House. So, Hamilton, since uh, its opening on Broadway in 2015, has become the most popular cast album ever. Um, Michelle Obama calls it the best art I've ever seen in my life, which is a pretty good quote from our favorite First Lady. Um, so, basically, it just follows the story of Alexander Hamilton, born in the Caribbean, comes to America as a teenager, Meets all these people, like Aaron Burr. Everyone in the song of the story of tonight. (laughs) Exactly. All of those guys. Basically, it just goes through his life as he um, becomes a politician and starts writing financial systems into existence. And in the face of ignorance and resistance.
I wrote financial systems into existence. And when my working with George Washington, I feel like that's important. Yes, he becomes the right-hand man of George Washington. Um, and eventually when George Washington is elected president, then he becomes his or the treasury secretary. It's just kind of about how his life unfolds and how it intersects with different characters like the Schuyler sisters. Um, yeah, George Washington, like was mentioned, Thomas Jefferson, all of these people. And we won't tell you how it ends. You'll have to watch it. If you haven't watched it by now. I think most people know how it ends because it's history. <laughs> well, also it's in like the first verse of the entire musical how it all ends so a spoiler alert now you've been warned sorry not sorry what's gonna happen like it also follows how like Lin-Manuel Miranda kind of grew up and it's the same like they're kind of like parallel yeah he says it's another reason why he wrote the musical is he saw a lot of himself but also a lot of his dad in Alexander Hamilton because his dad um is an immigrant and came from Puerto Rico, kind of the American dream is the vibe that he had when he was writing the musical, I guess. Can't relate, Canadian, but that's okay. Kind of get it. I think the first place Hamilton opened outside of the States, what, actually no, it was in London, and then it opened in Puerto Rico. Uh, which is pretty cool, and Lin-Manuel reprised his role as Alexander Hamilton because by then he was done on Broadway. Um, so that's cool. And it must, I can't imagine doing something like that. Cause this is also a musical where there's only one talking scene. Everything is singing and rapping. Um, it's all in the soundtrack. If you listen to it, um, you pretty much get everything save for one scene, which we won't tell you about cause it's a pretty big surprise. When I watched the movie, I was really shocked <laughs> cause I thought it was all just the songs. And I was like, wait, they're talking? Wait a minute. This is different. But I can't imagine having to jump back into that, like, what that would have been like such a trip. I mean, he would have done it over 500 times by that point, so it would have probably came back to him pretty easy, but... Well, and he wrote it. And he also spent, like, more than five years writing it. I think it was, like, six or seven. It would be implanted in your brain by then. Yeah. <laughs> so. No room for mistakes. It's interesting how this show opened in different countries because this musical is so much, it's an American musical, it's in the title, right? And so it's interesting that that has translated to other countries. And I mean, everybody has different reads on it when you watch the musical. But to me, when I watched it, it was like, this musical is saying that despite its flaws, America is the greatest country on earth. Like it was very like pro-America. It does glorify it a little too much. Yeah, it does a little bit of, more than a little bit of glorification, but yeah, and it opened in the Obama era, so watching this musical in the Trump era is like, is America really the greatest country on earth? Like, is that, are we still, is that still a thought that we're thinking? Leading into that, I think it's very interesting to see the difference between how Hamilton changed during the Obama era when it came out versus the Trump era. Right. Because you were listening to... When did you start listening to the Hamilton soundtrack, Katie? Mm, I think it was... I remember I saw it play at the Grammys and I was like, ugh, this is trash. This sounds terrible. What is... And then like a year later, I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. That's hilarious. You hated it the first time you heard it. Yeah, I did. I hated it because I was like, it just, it just was like, I don't know. From the first impression, it was not good. <laughs> what? Why was that your first impression of it? I don't know. I was watching the Grammys, just trying to see Taylor Swift sing or something, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, let's go on to Broadway. I was like, what is Hamilton? What is this? And then it was just like, I don't know. I think it was just such a shock to see that. But then they won that year, so that was cool. Even though I, even though I didn't like them, but so that would probably put you start listening around 2016. Did you find that you noticed different things in the soundtrack when Obama was president versus when Trump was president? Um, I thought it was really interesting to see how. I feel like the musical itself is more like written from like 
it is based on America back then, but like told by America now. So it's very based on equality. So seeing how that came out during the Obamas, Lynn's first ever performance of Hamilton was actually at the White House when Obama held a poetry night, which is the best video I've ever seen. And just like that comparison, like Donald Trump would never do that. And yeah, it's just interesting to see how during the Obama era, Americans, I feel like, seem to be more publicly in love with their country. And like every celebrity would go to Hamilton and be like, oh, it's the best country in the world. This musical is just great. And then they would like use lyrics on all their Instagrams and like stuff like that. And then now in 2020, I feel like we'll end since like 2016. I feel like Hamilton lyrics have been used to express like terrible events like the protests and the pandemic and like especially towards Trump. Duh. Like I even found I remember in like June when all the crazy protests were starting, I, fa- I saw a bunch of protests and people were using like quotes from Hamilton. And there was a lot that was like, if you stand for nothing, what do you fall for? And then history has its eyes on you and a lo- like basically half the musical. Because there's so much that Donald Trump doesn't do. I don't know. I just think that's so interesting how the lyrics could translate between, like, those two different, like, complete opposite types of politics. I think it's interesting, especially around the Disney Plus release of Hamilton, because, I mean, basically, when it opened, it was just, like, everybody was in love with this musical. Except you, obviously. (laughs) You, You did not like it, but... There was this, like, and it continued, not just when it opened, like, Hamilton has been a huge success, obviously, one of the most successful musicals of all time, um, if we're talking about album sales and, and stuff like that. I think it just is in general. It was interesting with the Disney Plus release, like, there was so much criticism around it, and I don't know if that correlates to widespread criticism there was in politics in the last four years, like, during the Trump presidency, like, would Hamilton, as a political statement, gotten as much criticism if it got released on Disney Plus in 2016 or before the Trump presidency? I mean, that's there's no answer to that question, but I just find it interesting. Or what if the musical in general came out while Donald Trump was president? I feel like it would be a lot different. It seems like it's a living text. That's very, ooh, that was very biblical of me, but... It feels like it. It's it's not a static thing. Like different things are get kind of pulled out um, as the world changes. Like I know the line "immigrants we get the job done" is definitely more popular since the Trump presidency. Like I've heard cast members say that there's like standing ovations during that line, whereas when the musical first opened, like people laughed, and it's it's a good line, but it w- didn't really carry the same weight as it as it did after President Trump got elected. I think it was 2016 after Trump became president, Mike Pence went to go see the musical. And like after the show was over and they did all their um, bows and everything, the guy who played Aaron Burr at the time, he had a whole speech about how he didn't agree with their policies. But he said it like really, it was really great to listen to. It was nice. And they just straight up called him out. Yeah, basically people were booing him at the beginning. Mike Pence thinks he's going to a Broadway show just to have a chill night. No, sir. Not for you. And they were like, oh, Mike Pence is here? Let's write a speech. Like, I don't... When did they write, happen to write a speech like that? And it was written very well. Like, it wasn't mean. If it's something like that... I mean, I haven't listened to it. I have no idea. But I would venture a guess that that maybe wasn't pre-written. That was just kind of off the cuff. He did have a note. Oh, he had a... Spe- he had a... Paper? Oh, well, then they were prepared. They were like, Mike Pence, welcome to the Comedy Central roast of Mike Pence. Yeah, they were like, since we're here. At the Richard Rogers Theater. (laughs) What's your opinion, Katie, on historical accuracy in musicals? Are you for it? Are you against it? I started listening to this. I guess I was mm, probably 16. And I learned so much from this musical. And I'm like mad I didn't take American history because I would have like for sure gone 100% just from listening to the whole musical. So I actually really enjoyed how much facts they have in there. And I, th- I don't know. Personally, I think it makes it more enjoyable because then you know 
like you're not just singing songs for fun you're actually like learning something of substance but i know hamilton has been criticized for like leaving out or glazing over like a lot of events that happened during that time but like the musical's three hours and it covers like 30 years of time i think 40 like more than 40 his entire life yeah and then it goes to like after he dies and then it's like eliza as she's dying so i mean it skips a lot of time but it covers a lot it's hard to cover that much like 50 plus years in three hours so i don't think it deserves all the criticism it gets for like glazing over because like i think it does a really good job of like putting in the important things yeah i mean the main events are in there and you have to kind of add in your own retelling of it and historically speaking none of those people were people of color and all of the the entire cast is most of most of the cast is people of color um and that was a deliberate choice obviously by Lin-Manuel Miranda and the creative team and I think it made sense because I think a lot of people I mean we're talking about this as a as a political um piece of literature in this episode but really like this was Lin-Manuel Miranda's swan song to like 90s the 90s rap scene like the Ten Dual Commandments is... It's based on Ten Crack Commandments, yeah. Yeah, so, like, yes, it's a political statement, but also, like, you can't cast historically accurate, like, in terms of race, people in these roles, because that's not what this story is, primarily. And that's another... That's a whole another podcast episode, like, what Lin-Manuel Miranda framed this piece as, and then the shape it took after it was you know released to the world but let's go back to the glossing over specific parts i know there's a lot of dialogue especially after the disney plus release on how they kind of glossed over slavery and certain characters connections to slavery that's the only thing like i don't like like of course it is i do like the amount of history in it but because it is only three hours it does glaze over too much in the fact that they all had slaves and in the musical they're like these were the best people ever but like in perspective looking at it now in 2020 we're like um those people kind of suck well they're all they're very flawed some characters are presented that way like obviously Aaron Burr is the antagonist and is presented as a flawed person who changes over the course of the musical but I mean, the nods to slavery are, I would say, too small. There's a lot of choreography that kind of, you know, wink, 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 nudge, nudge. Like, oh, these people own slaves. Like in, uh, But you wouldn't see that unless you're watching it. In the opening number of the second act, Thomas Jefferson is singing and all the ensemble members line up and refer to him as um, their master. And they're all like in a line like they're slaves because they were. I think that's too small. It's kind of a cop-out. Like, what do you think they could have done to introduce that more clearly in the musical? If I knew I'd be writing musicals, Katie, like, (laughs) I would not be in Creek on, that's for sure. But, I mean, the fact that they refer to, in my shot, they refer to that group of four, all of them were abolitionists, like, that's not necessarily true. Like, that's just a straight up, Alexander Hamilton was not an abolitionist. That part, like, I feel like they just could have left that out. Like, you don't need to, you don't need to play us like that. We're not dumb. Like, I can read a textbook. There's, what, 45 numbers in this musical? We could have maybe switched out. You know what we could have done? Is we could have taken out Say No to This, because that is my least favorite number. I hate it. We need to talk about why you hate this, because it's a really good song. Okay, it is a good song. So I think they should act Say No to This and add in a song. Just acknowledge it. And and I mean, yeah, there were some nods to it, too, with... um when uh george washington resigned and and eliza's last song but i think those are too small especially in you wrote this musical what in between the span of like 2008 to 2015 especially because there's like probably four songs that are just about alexander hamilton writing i know i'm like we get it there do not need to be i mean i like them but they did not need to be four songs one of them could have been about slavery or something darker that develops the story better yeah just straight up acknowledging it like Lim Amel Miranda had to have known that he was gonna get criticized for that and and that was his artistic choice and he wrote the musical he wanted to write and that's I can't knock him for it like it's literally the most popular musical ever so we can't really take 
too many points off there. But, yeah, I think that's an important thing to acknowledge, um, especially with the rising popularity of Black Lives Matter. And, and he, there's no way he could have known that the protests of 2020 that would have happened. But it is an important thing to to continue to reckon with in America, but also in Canada, too. Like, that's something that reconciliation is a continual process. So it needs to show up in our musicals, too. That's just the truth. But moving on, because I really want to know, because you still haven't told me, why do you hate saying no to this? Say no to this, I have issues with. That's when I began to pray, Lord, show me how to say no to this. I don't know how to say no to this. Oh my God, she looks so helpless. And her body's saying hell yes. No. First, let me say, Jasmine Sevis Jones is a queen. We love her. And she absolutely knocks that song out of the park. Yes. Her vocals. Like, well, let's just take a moment. I feel like we should also mention that Say No to This is the only song that mentions the affairs that Alexander Hamilton had. So I think the song in the story is super important to show that, like, he wasn't perfect. Yeah. No, the song is, I get that it's important to the story and we need to tell the audience that Alexander Hamilton is a dirty rotten scoundrel but ugh, like it's too horny honestly like it's just not the it's just sticks out it's like a sore thumb it's like this super horny moment in this otherwise like pg-13 musical and it's just it it's a weird vibe when you listen to it i feel like you're just like oh it's nice and there's a lot of good vocals but then when you watch it especially on disney you're like oh they're just humping each other as the stage spins for like four minutes Oh, yeah. No, I'm talking about the Disney Plus. Like, the soundtrack's fine. It fits. That's great. So, the choreography bothers you. Andy Blankenbuehler was having a week when he choreographed that number. Like, I do not know what was going on in that guy's life, but, yeah, I don't even know what that is. But, I mean, I guess it, like, really expressed, I mean, what was happening. Like, how horny Alexander Hamilton was? Like, I mean, they talk about it earlier. They're like, oh, Martha Washington named her feral tomcat after him, which is actually not true by the way. Especially because the lyric right after his, that is, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> they delighted and distracted a Martha Washington named her feral tomcat after him. That's true. He's just blatantly lying to us now. You know what's also the horniest lyric in the musical? What? Hercules Mulligan, or the, or John Lawrence. Oh. And he's like having sex over four sets of corsets. That was also out of nowhere, but like it makes sense because they're all it just feels like it comes right out of left field. Like, it's just like, whoa, smacks you in the face. The first time I heard it, I was like, hold on, wait. Four sets of, wait, what are they talking about? Wait a, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That one lyric where they're all like, let's all get, get back to my house and strip down to our socks or something. That was like a cute moment, though. Like, I thought that was funny. Now I'm double standards. <laughs> I mean, like, I still like it, but it's also very randomly horny. It was like a little flirty thing. Also, if Anthony Ramos asked me to strip down to my socks, I 100% would. So I have no issues with that. Have you heard the song Mind Over Matter? If you want to talk about a really horny song. That whole album. Put that in the middle of the musical. Yeah. I really have... It's more than just like I hate the song, though. It's like some... There are deeper feelings there. Like... I think it's it kind of leads into the whole thing about the female characters in Hamilton, which we can talk about. Like, I, I have a bone to... If I had any bone to pick with Lin Memo Miranda, it would probably be the female characters in Hamilton. But when you think about it, in history, that it's a realistic example of how women were treated. Yes, that is true. It is realistic. But, chew on this. If this is what I would say to Lin Memo Miranda. No, I would say other things, but... If we had more time to talk, if we had Lynn Manuel on the podcast, this is what I would say. So you change the entire cast from white people to people of color, which is great. And I think that was obvious. That was the obvious choice. And you added more influence for these smaller characters like Hercules Mulligan and um, John Lawrence, the first act and John Lawrence. Like, Hercules Mulligan and John Lawrence were not founding fathers. Like, they're not major players. They're just there. And he changed around all this stuff, but he did not really add any agency to any of the female characters. So I'm like, why was that 
too far like how why was that choice that's not realistic enough like if you're gonna change stuff maybe add in some real feminism instead of a song that just has the girl saying work five million times which is not feminism <laughs> Also, is it is it the Skylar sisters or is it no? Um, satisfied. Her lines are the best because they're very feminism. There's three songs in a row. A row like feminine, but like there should be the Skylar sisters and Satisfied, but like four more. The female characters are there, but all of the things that they're doing all revolve around decisions that the men make. And Peggy is just there. She needs a song. Jasmine Stevens Jones needed more stage time in this musical, basically, is what we're trying to say. Um, but also, when I first listened to the musical, and you know how in the opening in Alexander Hamilton, they're like, um, me, I fought with him, me, something else, and they're like, me, I loved him, and it's a harmony, but you're like, whatever. And then I didn't notice until I physically saw it. But I didn't realize when it says, me, I loved him, it is the three sisters... Because they each love him. But, well, Peggy would actually be... Um, Ryan Reynolds. Yes. But the fact that the three of them are singing that, oh, what a good foreshadowing. It is good foreshadowing. That's basically... The whole first number is foreshadowing. It's very... I like how he, like, opened with, like, just basically telling how it ends. But you're like, hold on, what? Yeah, I just don't like... If you're going to make all these characters more desirable to a modern audience, and then you're like, but the women... No, we can keep them as secondary characters. Like, that's just, like, yeah. And also, you should have had more women on the creative team. Ooh, shit. Didn't even think about that. That's true. Yeah, more women and people of color on the creative team. Also, what do you think about um, how they switched up the races for all the characters? Do you think they should have switched up the genders? I have never. It's never a question I've encountered. I like it. Why not? Yeah, especially, like, if they're a good enough singer, does it matter? If you can hit the notes, I do not a good burr, I would say, when I sing in the car, but like an okay one. But I'm sure there have to be better out there. There you go. Go audition to play Aaron Burr. No, I can't. It's, I don't think that would be the right role for me. <laughs> with Lynn wanted to do with the whole telling the story of America then by America now, it's still all men, so that's not very feminist. So might as well switch up all the genders and races. Hamilton can take those risks. Not that they're risks. But it is really the first musical to do that. Well, they haven't done it yet. Have they? No, like for even switch up like the races of people because that would be criticized because it's not historical, historically accurate, you know? I think because Hamilton is popular, they can do basically whatever they want now. Like they could have a female play Aaron Burr. Yeah, and now that it's like when they first opened, I think it was so much of a shock, first of all, that it was like rap. And that it was, like, ra racially diverse. But, like, now that it's been around for a while, I think they could totally switch up the genders of all the characters. And also, like, I don't know... I've never invested in a Broadway musical before. That's not on my resume. But lots of musicals don't make it to a Broadway run, right? Like, so you don't necessarily... If I were an investor, wouldn't necessarily want to take too many risks when producing a show. So if you already have a rap musical that takes the founding fathers and turns them into rappers from the 90s, like... They all turn into Biggie Smalls. That could potentially set some people off. Like, people are very protective over American history and how it's written and how it's represented, so... But I think now that now that Hamilton's popular, they could do... The sky's the limit for what they could do in terms of casting. But you know what I just realized? I think... Um, Ten Dual Commandments is based on Ten Crack Commandments, which is by um, Biggie Smalls. Yes. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know if they like got a fight, but Biggie Smalls and like Tupac or something were like in a fight. I think Biggie Smalls died because somebody shot him. And like the parallelism to Aaron Burr shooting Hamilton. Oh. I like just got that now. I see. I wonder, like, there's so many Easter eggs in this musical, like... Not just from 90s rap, but from, like, other musical theater, like, other shows, and just pop culture references. Like, 
I wonder if we caught them all. Like, there's got to be some ones that Lin-Manuel Miranda put in there, and he's like, you guys haven't even gotten all of them yet. You know what I mean? I'm sure there's got to be some in there. Probably. Now I'm, like, really trying to think of all the lyrics now. There probably is a lot. How do you feel about the musical being told from the antagonist Aaron Burr's perspective rather than told from Hamilton himself? I guess it kind of is told from Hamilton, but like it focuses on like being told by Aaron Burr. How do you think that's impactful rather than if it was like just from Hamilton's side of? I think if it was told by Hamilton, it would lean too much into the um, American idealism. Like I think the focus on the quote-unquote villain um, is important because it keeps the characters from being idealized too much. And I think Alexander Hamilton, sure, he's a great guy. I don't know, probably not. But telling a story from his perspective, see, like telling his own story from his perspective, like I don't like that. Like telling your own biography. When Hamilton was like alive, all he did was write about, well, America, but also himself. I think the whole Aaron Burr just gives it like a different, a totally different perspective because it's how other people see Hamilton. Like we wouldn't have seen that if it was just from his Hamilton's perspective. If the story is told by Aaron Burr or any other character for that matter, they can, yeah, their perspective is different in a song like nonstop. I mean, it would have worked if it was from Hamilton's perspective, but it was interesting to see that from the outside and how other, that's how other people saw him, that he works nonstop and 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 wrote his way out and that was kind of a common theme in the musical but I don't know I I take a few issues with that theme as well though too because like yeah like writing your way out and you know if you can work hard you can do anything American Dream is kind of a common thread throughout the musical but that again that's just another way that that I think the musical glosses over systemic issues um and how they keep the playing field uneven and why is it important to glorify working harder rather than like it's a political musical it could have been about making equal opportunities for every American rather than oh if this you know if you work hard you'll get what you want well that's not true because America's not an equal place but back then that's what they believed in which is important to remember now that I'm thinking about it One of the, like, it's a really good song, but one of the songs I just don't care about is Hurricane. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah, Hurricane. Yeah, I'm like, that's a song, right? It's the one about the hurricane. (laughs) I get the, like, why it's in there, and it, like, is very parallel from that part to when he's, like, dying at the end. But I think that song should just be cut out, and they could have put something a lot more important where that song is. Does that make sense? What about it do you not like or think it's not important? I just think, like, in the first few songs where they introduce Hamilton and they, like, they already give his whole backstory, just, like, the part about the hurricane is just, like, kind of out of nowhere. But I think, I don't know, in my head it just, like, doesn't fit and I usually skip it. But I do really enjoy the parallelism of that song and the world was wide enough. But also, like, the hurricane ravaged his island when he lived in the Caribbean and that's i think where that comes from i love the choreography in hurricane i think it's so cool and the lighting and everything that's actually true that's the best choreographed song that one in yorktown story wise and just like it doesn't really need to be there it's kind of like a reiteration he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna write some stuff and i'm gonna ruin my own life and that's the whole song i think it's just kind of unnecessary like i actually really like it and yeah i think it is totally the best choreographed song the lighting and then the whole stage spinning so good but story like plot line wise that's where they could have used more like impactful stuff about like slavery or something else yeah and i think uh, and again i don't know anything about writing musicals but i would love to pick lin-manuel miranda's brain about why he made the decisions he did because you can't make a like i mean you can but he was writing this musical to be popular like it's that's just a fact. You don't write a musical for it to suck. And a popular musical isn't, like, not every song is, is sad or is heavy. Like, you have to have some lighter moments. And if you focus on too many really weighty topics, like, that's 
you get into play territory. Part of me sees, like, from a creative perspective, why Lin-Manuel didn't focus on slavery, because there are so, there's so much story and so much depth in these characters, but it's, um, like, if you're gonna have a slavery plot line or have that be a part of the story, you can't do that half-ass. That'd be, like, a full other hour. Yeah. Let's just make a six-hour musical. He, he probably could. It would take him a lot of years to write it, but, like... I wonder how long it was, like, the first version. Because there's a lot of songs he cut out, too. Yeah, there's a... Um, he's released some of the songs that he wrote and, and didn't get in the musical. They're out there. Yeah. Which I love. I don't know if I've listened to any of them. There's a lot I haven't listened to because they're not as good. That's why they're not in the musical. But, like, the fa- I, I think it was a mixtape first and then he turned it into a musical but then they he released a mixtape after yeah and then was it was it 2018 i can't remember what year it was once a month they released a song based on hamilton that was like unreleased or someone else like covering it yeah yeah i think that album might be called the hamilton mixtape no it's different oh it's different really so the hamilton mixtape came out at once and it had like was khalifa john legend oh that's the one i'm thinking of Yes, because I have that record, actually. But And then, like, a few years after that, just randomly, once a month, they would release a song. Like, there's the one with Ben Platt in it. Oh, Found Tonight. Yeah, the best song ever. That is a good song. When our children tell their story, you will be fine. They'll tell the story of tonight. No matter what they tell you, Tomorrow there'll be more of us Telling the story of tonight The story of Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that was on an album or anything. It just like once a month he released a song. I did not know that. Yeah, maybe that's why Lin-Manuel Miranda just had those little tiny nods to slavery. Just because if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. And so... To have one or two songs maybe he didn't feel like was justified that wasn't enough so i see both sides i still think it should have been included more than it was but i don't i didn't write the musical so i don't make those calls no matter what it's great because lynn wrote it it's true it is a good musical it is flawed though but for how much impact i think it made in the musical world and in society like that's really rare for a musical to even like reach that many platforms like, you've never seen, well, I've never seen a musical, like, transition into society that way. And I think a lot of that has to do with social media, too. Yeah, Hamilton really, they really embraced that side of it. Well, and they almost had to because I think in a lot of interviews when the Disney Plus uh, version came out, like, the cast and, and the creative team talked about accessibility. Like, accessibility was always one of their biggest challenges because Hamilton tickets are hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And they still would be if if it weren't for the pandemic and the Broadway shutdown, they would still be hundreds of dollars. And if you want to wait in a in a box office line, you're going to wait there all day and you're probably not even going to get in. So they almost had to have a social which media. Which you know from experience. Yes, which I know because I almost did. I almost wasted an entire day in New York waiting in a Hamilton box office line. Would it really have been wasted? Yes, because it was hot outside <laughs> and I would have melted on the pavement. And when I went back in the evening, like right before curtain, the person who was in the front of the line was still there. So I was like, well, good thing I didn't waste an entire day waiting there to knock it in. Imagine seeing the original Broadway cast back in 2015. That's the only reason why I have a Disney Plus subscription is so I can have the original Broadway cast of Hamilton on my laptop forever and ever. My birthday, I didn't care. I mean... Life was closed anyways, but I didn't care to do anything. July 3rd, I was like, I don't care what anyone else in my family is doing, but I am getting a Disney Plus description. And I am sitting here, and I'm going to watch it three times today. Nobody talked to me. You watched it three times? I think I watched it once, and then, well, my friends came over. So then I watched it the next day, too. <laughs> and then I watched it the next weekend when I was, like, camping. Yeah, I I probably watched it like upwards of a dozen times now but i definitely watched it twice on the first day it came out yeah i actually think i watched it once because like i slept in 
watched it and it was like it's like what three and a half hours long in final version and then yeah i watched it the next day too that's best birthday ever so here's a question for you considering it's on disney plus two so it has to have at least a a pg-13 rating but would you consider Hamilton a radical musical? Like, can Broadway be radical at all? Um, I don't think it's that radical, in my opinion. I don't know. I really enjoy it. And I think maybe it is a little radical because it is, like, it was really crazy when people first heard about it. But I think it was, like, what the world needed, if that makes sense. It was radical, but, like, it was the perfect timing in society for that type of thing to come out. So I think it works. Well, I think it does. And it's popular for a reason. Like popular musicals are what the people want to see. No one's they're not going to draw crowds to a musical that is crappy. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I think because it is so radical, they built up more of a following because of that. Because people were like, what is this? Do you think any um, musical on Broadway can be radical if it has to be popular to succeed? Like in terms of like in terms of like political ideology. Mm. I think just making a musical political in the first place is like, you're really risking it. People have very sided opinions on that. So first of all, that's a really hard thing to make anything about without people just wanting to pick sides. But for some reason, I don't know, I can't think of any other musical that's been really radical, but like Hamilton just, it just worked really well. I think that also has to do with the idealism of America too. It's just like, oh, America is great. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, I agree with that. And it's like, well, you're not really saying anything, but okay. Keep going with it. We'll go with it. Okay, so Hamilton may not be a radical musical, but there are lots of, um, there's lots of content about, like, protests and, and rebellion in the show, and that's celebrated. And this past spring, lots of protests and rebellions that are not necessarily celebrated as widely as is portrayed in the musical. And I just think it's interesting. It kind of raises a bunch of questions about like who chooses which protests and rebellions are okay and and is it the way that it's framed or is it the color of the protesters? I think another way Hamilton works is that, I mean, it's about history, but it was so long ago. Like people can still have opinions on it, but it's not as strong opinions and like they can't change anything. Like we had a musical come out today that was like, I don't know, about Donald Trump or... People, people would have a stronger opinion on it because they were, like, alive to live through that. I don't know. I think it works because it's so long ago and nobody alive has lived through it. I think that makes it more dangerous, though, because, like, you're right. No one has lived through the founding of America. And that's the thing that's dangerous is that anyone can tell these stories, right? And I know when, when I was in elementary school, my I had a teacher who'd always say, well, the winners uh, write the history books. And that kind of always stuck with me, like... Yeah, this America won this war and and they're writing about it now and part of that like when you listen to Yorktown and and these songs they like pump you up and it it just fills you with all this like it's a good song and it fills you with all this pride and emotion but it's also a little scary like to watch this musical rise to huge popularity like that someone has that much power over the narrative of history. But I do like how the musical acknowledges that they are the ones narrating the story that like it may be historically accurate but i feel like they acknowledge the fact that they will make flaws there's so many sides to that story that we don't see all of it so i like that the musical like explicitly expresses that in just about every song well that's one of the common themes is who lives who dies who tells your story which like i think is really important in this musical because if they didn't do that i feel like it would like land in people's perspectives like a lot different and i feel like it would be criticized a lot more yeah that's fair it's very transparent about that i mean transparent if you pay attention to the lyrics if you just go to you know the theater for fun night out then you're not necessarily gonna get all that yeah we're really reading into it yeah <laughs> we are really reading into it What are your thoughts on the ending with Eliza and the whole, you know, it turns out she, it was her story the whole time that she was telling the story. Well, first of all, I don't like how it 
feels kind of like it just jumps there. I feel like the transition to Eliza and like skipping over 50 years of her life kind of out of nowhere based on like the rest of like the rest of the story skips through a lot of time but like it kind of flows I feel like that song is very jumpy because it flows except that song but I do really like the song and how it shows that's the that's the female representation that we needed throughout the whole musical I'm I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that one really it's the one song that is like oh I did so much even when you were dead and I did so much more than you basically ever could have because I'm a woman and I rock. Well, that I agree with. But I think that, and to me, I mean, I love the ending and it makes me cry every time. But that aside, like, in my opinion, the ending is kind of a cop-out because basically in the end, so for people who haven't watched or listened, but Alexander Hamilton dies, Aaron Burr kills him in a duel, and then... Eliza closes up the musical basically saying that after he died, she dedicated the last 50 years of her life to memorializing Hamilton and making sure that his story gets told. I don't know. I think the ending is a cop-out. I think it's cheap feminism to say that, you know, oh, guess what? This whole time, Eliza's been telling this story like it's her, not Aaron Burr, that's been telling this story. Like, I think it's a cop-out because men have been the catalyst throughout the entire story. And then they're like, oh, just kidding. It's been a woman the whole time. Like, I don't like that. I think it's bullshit. That's how I feel. That's the patriarchy currently and always crushing us. That's the patriarchy. I do really like how the song does focus on who tells your story and if it's actually accurate. That side of the song. Let me tell you what I wish I'd known. When I was young and dreamed of glory You have no control Who lives, who dies, who tells your story That's a great way that the musical functions and that it knows what it's saying. There are these common themes that are pulled throughout the musical and it's very consistent in its message. Yeah, like all these themes that we've talked about, like who lives, who dies, who tells your story, Hamilton writing his way out, all this stuff, like, it is consistent. And so I think the show functions as it should, mostly because it's a conversation piece. I don't know. I think it functions even more than Lynn, I think, intended it to be. He was like, oh, this is cool. This would make a really good rap musical. But I feel like, like, of course, he wrote it very well. But I feel like he didn't expect the type of publicity that it got. Because, like, this musical was huge. You don't think he expected that? He did, but I don't think, like, on that scale and for, like, us to even be talking about this for an hour, pulling apart the lyrics. Like, I don't know. I've never seen another musical be this big and cross so many different types of topics, even. Yeah, definitely not in our lifetime. But even, like, older musicals are just like, la-da-da-dee-dee-woo, and then it's like, you forgot about life for an hour. I mean, like, Rent was really good for, like, talking about real topics, but, like, Hamilton, I think, is the... I mean, that's a big statement, but the first big musical to cross so many different topics of conversation and to make, like, that much of an impact in society. And for so many different types of people, too. I think you're right, though. I think it I think it changed the genre of musical theater. I mean, I'm not sure I'm ready to say it was a quote-unquote radical musical. Like, the political ideas in it aren't exactly you know, game-changing, but I think it changes the genre, and Rent's a great example. Like, it's more of a discussion piece, and it opens up discussion for people to participate in and for audience members and fans and just people to have dialogue about different issues like race and, like, slavery and and all these different things. And, I mean, Lin-Manuel Miranda said that Rent was one of his inspirations for writing the musical, and I think that's pretty clear in terms of how it's played out after its release. I mean, it's made me talk about American history more than I ever would have. So, I mean, I guess that's a good thing. For two Canadians. Yeah, for two Canadians. I know too much about American history. I literally did not know anything about American history before I listened to Hamilton. No, nothing. I was 16 and I was just like, whoa, this is good. I don't even know why I liked it. It's just a bunch of bangers. 45 bangers on one soundtrack. 44. Not say no to this. 
Whatever it is, minus one, because say no to this. Actually, it is a, it's a good song. I just don't like it for personal reasons. Since I feel like we've just been, we both really like the musical, but we've been criticizing it for the past hour. What is your favorite part of the musical? So like character, song, clearly not say no to this. Definitely not. So what is your favorite character, song, actor, or, like, concept? Picking a favorite performer is, like, literally impossible. Like, the whole original cast, I mean, Jonathan Groff is... He's only on for nine minutes. Incomparable. He's only on there for and nine minutes. he doesn't minutes. even move. He's incomparable. He's amazing. I love the spit shower. It's my favorite thing. Especially they, like, zoom in. <laughs> of course they zoom in on those shots. Um, it, but if I had to pick a favorite performer, it would probably be a tie between Leslie Odom Jr. and Renee Elise Goldsberry, who play Aaron Burr and Angelica Schuyler, respectively. Um, their performances are just, yeah, it's incredible. And they have so much emotion. And I mean, y- you get inside their head in some of the songs, but it's so clear what their characters are thinking and feeling. And I think a lot of that is helped by the fact that it's a pro shot. So you get those close-up shots of their faces and you can see like just little movements and, and little expressions that wouldn't necessarily translate in a live performance. But I think that, yeah, they were two standouts for me. And obviously they both won Tonys, so other people think so as well. And in terms of favorite song, I would probably say Yorktown. Really? That's, yeah. That's an unpopular opinion. It just, especially the end... I tend to skip that song. Really? It's long. That's fair. I don't blame you. They're all long. That They're doesn't make long. a difference. That's true. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I love all the songs sung by female characters. Like, I probably sang Satisfied in the car more than any other song. But Yorktown is just the one that... It just makes me so emotional, like when they're singing, you know, we won, we won, we won. I just, tears every time. And I just like the idea of They've turned the world upside down and then they have to figure out what to do next. And I feel like a lot of that relates to what the younger generation now is feeling like. Oh, we're all like, ah, protest, anarchy, you know, but what's going to happen after we throw all these systemic issues in the trash? Then it's like, hmm, what do we do next? I think that's why I like that song. So, yeah. What about you? What are your picks? First of all, character, I like all of them. I can't choose. But... Oh, this is hard, actually. I don't want to say Lynn because, like, he is the best, and we all know that. <laughs> he's a good writer. I don't think he's the best performer by any stretch. Yeah, that's, that's kind of true, too. But he probably gave the, like, I, I hesitate to say the word worst, but considering that he surrounded himself with all of the people that he did in terms of casting, like... He wasn't the best, not even close. Also, another Dark Horse pick of mine is Chris Jackson. Chris Jackson's voice, it's gold. It's just pure gold. It gives me chills every time. I feel like he's really so underrated in the musical. So underrated. From the Broadway cast, from like the first few times I listened to it, I was obsessed with Divi Diggs, who plays Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson. He does such for being like I, f- I would find him one of the main characters but i think it's really interesting that like of course he plays two characters and they're so well from acting to be a french guy that is trying to learn english and then to being the president he did such a good job and i love the personality that he has in his voice like i think out of all the characters he like, they're all really good singers, but he, like, has the most personality. Yeah, there's a lot of depth there in his performance. He's not a singer, though. Did you know that? Yeah. He was in, what was their rap group? Freestyle Love Supreme? And then Lynn was like, hey, you want to be in this? And he was like, that sounds bad, but sure. He adds a lot of little details and little touches to his character that he's very, he's so funny. And yeah, there's a lot of personality. 
oh, I feel bad even picking a favorite because like they're all so good. I think for that he would be my favorite character or actor in the musical. Favorite song. My first go, like my go-to song when I listen to it, is nonstop. I feel like that one song just summarizes like literally the whole musical in like what is it five six minutes. It just does such a good job of like being like really chaotic. I don't know. I just really like how fast it is, and like how every single singer has a part. And I like whenever I'm in the car, I try to sing every single line. I was gonna ask which line do you go with? Would you go with one or all of them? <laughs> I remember I saw a meme that's, like, me trying to keep up with every part in nonstop or something. I've tried to just do one of them, and it feels it feels incomplete. Like, you gotta just go for it. Yeah, you have to do all of them. like the main ones i'm trying to pick like underrated things another i think it was like when i started listening to the musical i didn't listen to it in order i just like randomly picked songs that i thought were cool i think it was like the second song i ever listened to was it's quiet uptown i think the song does such a good job of like grief and um i don't know like their whole family dynamic and just like love it's just so good and it like has so much emotion you got to be careful with that song, though. You can't just listen to it any time because how how emotional it is. For me, I'm just like, if I'm playing it on shuffle and it plays quiet uptown when I'm not expecting it, I'm like, oh, jeez, I got to skip that. I can't, I can't deal with that right now. That's how powerful it is. It goes from, like, pumped up song, like, what did I miss? And then you hear it's quiet uptown. You're just like, I have to pull my car over and cry for a minute. There are moments that the words don't reach. There is suffering too terrible to name You hold your child as tight as you can And push away the unimaginable The moments when you're in so deep It feels easier to just... Dangerous. It's a dangerous song. I think that's more emotional than Burn. Oh, I would disagree. Burn gets me. I don't know. I think, personally, it's Quiet Uptown just, like, hits me differently. Ugh. Yeah, that would be a tough one. I would, I'd have to say burn in that in that case, but yeah, I think that's that's most people's opinions. My next thing is, what's your least favorite part? But like, I feel like we covered that clearly. It's say no to this. I can pick a different least favorite part. Okay, sure. Can I though? Yeah, I feel like we've already talked about all the things we hate. Like idea wise, there are I have lots of criticisms, but in terms of songs, like it's pretty much. Banger after banger. Like, it's there's not a lot of misses in here. Traditional musicals, you're like, oh, it's good. But, like, this one song is a banger. But, like, yeah. to write a musical where, like, every single song is just a straight banger, that's rare, and it's just so good. And also the fact that there's, like, more than 40 songs, and they're all good. Like, a, what would you say an average musical soundtrack, like, average number of songs on there? Like, 15? Like, 12. It's, like dialogue and then a thing happens they sing about it and then it's dialogue for 20 minutes and then <laughs> yeah it's like every scene has a song pretty much yeah yeah that makes sense like 20 would be the absolute max of like a regular musical soundtrack and that's like pretty long i mean other than like an operetta where everything's in song when i went to broadway i think the musical i saw i think it was like two hours and 30 minutes like what is a regular musical two hours yeah two hours is pretty typical yeah, I think it was, like, two hours, and there was a lot of just talking. Like, I think the soundtrack maybe is, like, 15 songs. And, like, for Hamilton only to be an hour longer, I'm having... I think there's 46 songs. I think you're right. I think it's 46. Because I remember I had the CD in my car, and each each CD had 23, and I would always have to change it out. I'd be like, I have to listen to it in order and go to the next one. It needs two CDs. Like, that's how many songs are on this soundtrack. Well, the next musical we'll be talking about is much shorter so there'll be less songs on that soundtrack not even close to 46 but that will be for next what is it like 15 no there's not that many i think i listened to it in like half an hour it's an under an hour listen for sure like if you're listening to the soundtrack 
Anyways, so next episode, we will be talking about Dear Evan Hansen, so make sure you tune in for that. My name is George Adolke. And my name is Katie. And thank you for listening to Musical Movements. Thank you.